on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1. Streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. You're listening to The Jan Price Show. And today, my guests are two-time Academy Award-winning filmmaker, director, Barbara Koppel, and former U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Iran, John Limbert. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, Jan. Oh, you're welcome. It's my honor to have you both here. We're talking about, we're going to talk about your brand new documentary, Desert One, which is about the heroic rescue of the hostages back in 1980. Can you tell us a little bit, Barbara, what attracted you to this particular story? Well, for me, Desert One uh, is a story that I just felt needed to be told because many people have forgotten it in history. And it was also, for me, a story of heroicism and a reminder of the horrors of war and the roots of conflict between the U.S. and the Iranian governments. And the History Channel wanted to do, you know, a hundred films on history that people really hadn't remembered or were pushed under the rug or whatever. And so this was the one that we wanted to do very much. So that was the origins of it. And then how did you connect with... John and some of the other hostages uh, for for this film? Well, John was one of the terrific people who was willing to talk to us. He invited us to his home. He's married to an Iranian woman. And uh, they fixed us. A, they ordered in a lunch, an Iranian lunch that was just so delicious. And it just put us in the total right place that we wanted to be. We felt so comfortable and he's so brilliant and full of stories and he's a historian in his own right and an ambassador and has just finished his own a novel right now. Just oh, how ex- exciting. How exciting, John. Um, so tell us a little bit about, well, there's a lot of things. Um, I had so many questions, but again, you were one of the hostages. What Tell us a little bit about that experience and then, you know, and and then also how you found out about this dramatic rescue that was attempted and obviously did not take place. But tell us a little bit about what was going on for you during this time period. Well, first of all, let me let me uh, thank Barbara for her kind word for her kind words. Uh, she has she called me uh, about participating in this uh, um, in this film, and there had been a lot of documentaries made and a couple of feature films, um, although not entire not focused like this on the res- on the rescue mission. Um, but I must say, she was extremely persuasive. Uh, persuasive uh, in terms of getting, you know, getting people to participate, not just me, but as you see throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the film. I mean, this has happened, uh, for, this happened, uh, 40 years ago. It's hard to believe that it's been so long, uh, that it's been so long. Uh, but it is a part, it is a part of history and risks being either, uh, forgotten, um, or, uh, as, as perhaps more often happens, misread. Yes. 
Yes. I mean, you're right. I mean, it, it, it is hard to believe that it's been 40 years ago. What lessons do you think we've learned in those 40 years? John? I, <laughs> Tough question. I, I'd like to be an optimist. You know, I, I, I was in the field of diplomacy for about 35 years, and you have to be an optimist there. But uh, it's really hard to see. Uh, that we've learned uh, learned much beyond the fact that um, uh, international relations diplomacy, uh, diplomacy uh, it's very it's very hard and it takes patience it takes forbearance uh, it takes a willingness to fail uh, it takes a willingness to listen uh, uh, to listen um, all the things that are not in very great supply right now. In, uh, mm-hmm. in our, uh, in our so-called diplomatic establishment. Mm-hmm. This is very true. Very true. Did you have, what was going on for all of you? I mean, there was what, uh, 54 of you who were held hostage? Is that how many there were? I can't mean, 54. Um, what was going on for you when this all took place? I mean, did you have any idea? I mean, it was four hundred. Was it four hundred and forty-four days that you were held hostage? Jan, we were held four hundred. We were held for fourteen months, four hundred and forty-four days. We were captured in early November of seventy-nine, and uh, the rescue mission took place in late April of nineteen uh, of nineteen eighty. So we had been captivity for about uh, um, about six months. About six months, and all. Uh, we didn't have we didn't have much contact with the outside world, almost none. Uh, but it was obvious that whatever efforts had uh, uh, had been made on our behalf, uh, uh, they weren't working. I mean, we were still in we were still in captivity six six months uh, six months uh, in. We didn't know uh, about the mission. We didn't know the mission had taken uh, had taken place. Uh, but we did know, um, or uh, that. Uh, the whole the whole episode was was getting to a crisis point. I mean, you could that you could that you could tell there had been a UN effort in uh, February and March of 1980, which had failed, which had uh, to to get us out when that had failed. Um, so we we did not know what had happened, but uh, in late April we were told, uh, "Pack up your things, uh, we're moving, and we're moving far." Be ready for a long, a long move. And we were scattered around the country. We were scattered around the country. Um, I ended up in the town of Esfahan, which was about, is about, uh, six, seven hours south of Tehran, uh, of Tehran. Didn't know why until a couple, a week or so later when I was able to steal a, uh, a newspaper that the s- students had left out and found out uh, just some bare bone facts that there had been a mission and that it had failed and that there had been American casualties. So how did you feel about that when you read about that? Uh, two things. One, obviously very dis- uh, disappointed uh, that it hadn't, uh, it, it hadn't been successful and that we were still, uh, still in captivity, uh, but also uh, v- and very, very proud of our, people who were willing to try that and also uh, realizing that people were willing to, we were not forgotten and that people were willing to take a tremendous risk for our sake and for the sake of our freedom. Yes. So Barbara, for you, when you've, you gathered together many of the people that were not only involved in the, uh, 
in the mission, um, but also some of the hostages. So how did, how was that process for you to be able to get so many people involved in this film? This is a gut wrenching film, by the way. It really is. It's heart wrenching. I mean, it's, 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 it's beautifully done, beautifully put together. I must say that the way you have done this and also with the new animation that kind of brings us closer to what actually happened and some of the the photos um how did you get access to some of the photos that you did for this film and some of the you know the video that you had right well being able to film people who were hostages as well as people who were on the mission everybody that we filmed just told the most amazing stories for example one um of our hostages kevin hermeling he was the youngest he was a marine and he was going to Tehran and he had never even heard of Tehran ever in his life. And here he was going to protect the embassy <laughs> in the middle of a revolution. And he was held. And then one day the guards came into his room and they took off his handcuffs. They took off his blindfold and they walked him into a room with a couch and he heard a rustling at the door. The door opened and he said, it was my mom. And his mother, Barbara Tim, had come all the way from the Midwest to see her son. She got her permit. She did everything. And he was overjoyed. But what he wanted to know was, how are they getting us out? What's going to happen to us? And she could only talk about, you know, sports and personal things because they were being mic'd the entire time. So each person had a phenomenal story that they shared with us throughout the film, getting um, the videos and the archival material and doing the animation. The animation was done by an Iranian who was just incredible, Zartosh. Um, and he lived in America, but he knew the topography and he knew so much about Iran and he knew about the story and our great team of Eric Foreman and Dave Cassidy and everybody at Cabin Creek Films got pictures and we just stretched ourselves so far to be able to get materials that you've never heard before. For example, we had audio tapes that were phenomenal that nobody had ever heard before because the mission was a mission where it was totally silent. Nobody could know what was happening. And of course, there was no footage. And so we got President Carter and Vice President Mondale talking to the generals about what happened from the very beginning until the end. And it was almost as if you were seeing history unfold. You were living history and listening to it. So it was, it was quite miraculous. Getting to know all of these people for me, they're all heroes because they're people who would give up their lives, give up everything to be able to save Americans, to be able to do what they felt was right. Even if they thought, you know, the mission wasn't going to be as good as they wanted because it was so many moving parts. They were game. This is who they were, what they're about and what they're trained for. Absolutely amazing. And President Carter, you had the, the honor, I'm sure, of interviewing Jimmy yes. Car President Jimmy Carter. I, I've met him a couple of times. I lived in Atlanta uh, and went, uh, for a period of time. And when I lived there, I wanted to absorb everything about the culture in Atlanta. And I 
visited uh-huh. the Carter Presidential Library on numerous occasions, but I also went down to Plains, Georgia, where at the time he was teaching Sunday school. Yeah, you know he that? Still yes. is. He's still, he's still is. doing it. Oh my yes, goodness, he's, he's ninety-five years old and he's still he doing it. it. And, yep. I, and I went down a couple of times. Now Plains is, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's the same. At the time, I think they had one little blinking light in the middle of town, and you go like, "How did somebody become president from this right. little town?" Right. Um, and you know, it's just quite a while. Ninety-six Olympics is when. I worked for the Olympics in 96 in Atlanta. And uh, so I went down a couple of times. He wouldn't sign autographs, but he would let you take pictures with him, he and Rosalind. And it was such an honor. I, I, I enjoyed it so much. I actually went down a second time. And I, I, I've met him at other times, too. He's such an amazing the wonderful, uh, caring man. And I felt that this, I mean, when you watched him in this film, you really see how difficult this was. So what was your experience of interviewing uh, President Jimmy Carter for this film? Well, it wasn't easy <laughs> to get an no? interview with him. No, I had to, um, it took three months and I had to call the Carter Center and speak to a man named Philip Wise, who never answered his phone, but had his answering machine. And he would go, howdy, this is Phil Wise. And so <laughs> I decided to have a relationship with his answering machine, because I figured one day he'd listen to it all. And I would tell him, this is what I'm filming. And this is why we need President Carter. And I'd call him maybe every three days for three months. I also had two friends calling him too. One was Bernie Aronson, who was um, the speechwriter for Mondale, and one was Jerry Rashoon, who handled um, President Carter's campaign. So they also helped. And then finally, one day, I got a phone call, and this guy said, hi, this is Phil Wise. And I went, oh, I would know you anywhere. (laughs) And he said, okay, Barbara. You can come and fill. So I went um, to the Carter Center. I didn't get to go to Plains. And they gave me 20 minutes. It was um, on Valentine's Day. So I'll never forget it. So I bought the best chocolate I could for him. And I bought a necklace that I had gotten in South Sudan, a red heart necklace for the first lady. And I sat down and I was so honored to be there with him. And I knew that this was a very, very tough subject for him because it's the one thing that, you know, he feels in his life that he he lost, that he didn't do well on. And he just talked about it with such dignity. And he talked about how he lost his father and how heartbreaking that was for him. And he never thought that he would feel that sad again. But when the men were lost on the mission, he felt that same terrible, terrible pain. So it was it was a wonderful interview. It was really something I will remember for the rest of my life. Oh, yes, yes. And it's, I'm, and I'm this film that be able to, um, to have had a part of this uh, of Desert One of this m- wonderful documentary and to um, just really hear how his words and in, in speaking, I mean, it, it, of course the other archival, you know, footage that you had or the video of uh, the audio that you have um, as it was going on is invaluable, but to have her, her perspective on it even more. And then Vice President Mondale, was it easier to get him? 
Very. He was, okay. he was wonderful. He didn't want us to leave. <laughs> I got, you know, less than 20 minutes with um, President Carter. And I think I got two hours with President Mon- Vice President Mondale. Yeah, it was wonderful. Oh, he was wonderful. kind and, you know, just so glad that we were there and we were interested. And he really told a good story because he was one of the first vice presidents that really had, you know, was involved in foreign policy. So he knew a lot. How wonderful. So, John, for you, you, you've been back. To, uh, did you did you become an ambassador? Uh, you became, a, you know, U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of State for Iran. Did, was that after or is that the position you held when you were held as a hostage? Uh, uh, no, Jan. When I was uh, when I was in Tehran, it was I think my my third Foreign Service assignment. I was a relatively uh, junior Foreign Service officer uh, at the embassy. And after we came out in 1981, after uh, uh, in 1981, I went on and served in the department uh, for about 25 years. After that, 25, 26 years after uh, after that, it was probably uh, one one uh, result of that experience. Uh, was a commitment to the whole process of diploma uh, of diplomacy because uh, we had all seen close up what happens when the process breaks down and the alternative to uh, some orderly pro- some orderly way of dealing with other countries even countries that you disagree with uh, is extremely unpleasant and extremely dangerous. So I was probably more committed to that career to that uh, career after 1981 than I ever had been. Wow, that's interesting. You would think you would not want to go back and not be a part of this after your experience, but it was the opposite for you. It was the opposite for me and I think most of most of uh, most of my colleagues felt the same way. Most of us, uh, most of us did did not leave the service. One or two did, but most did. Uh, uh, but most did not. And there were a few of us um, who spent much of our career and our post uh, foreign service career to this idea that um, there should be some better way of the U.S. and Iran dealing with each other, other than just by. Um, yelling at each other and by threats and by name call, uh, by name calling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good, good, good advice for uh, <laughs> no matter what time of uh, era we're living in, but even more so right now. <laughs> it's very important it's advice a, that we need. <laughs> right, right now, it's a hard road. It's a pretty hard <laughs> road to hoe, I must say. I agree. I agree. <laughs> So have did you all all of you that were held together as hostages have you all stayed in touch with with each other through the years or did do you know the relationships did, is there a bonding experience because of the shared experience or was it difficult to stay connected with with everyone uh, not really not really Jan because um, first of all we were a very diverse group I mean we had uh, uh, we had uh, exper- diplomats, uh, foreign service officers of all uh, uh, of all of all ranks and ages. We had young Marine guards like uh, Kevin Hermaning and others. We had military officers. We had some technical 
uh, people, communications officers. Uh, so we were a pretty diverse, uh, 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 pretty diverse group. And also people went their own ways. People went to, uh, uh, uh follow different careers. Some stayed in the military. Some left, some left the military. Um, and we have a, uh, I could, I, I'm, not giving away any secrets, I think we have a great diversity of uh, of outlooks and uh, philosophies about mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and about uh, about relation about uh, international relations, which we um, agree if we ever if we do get together and. Unfortunately, when we do, mostly it's for memorial services now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we do, there's an unspoken uh, agreement uh, not to talk about those things. Mm. Okay, I understood. Yeah, very much understood. Barbara, you you had an Iranian crew of all women for this. When uh, so, tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> That's unusual in its own right. Right there. Well, yes, they're they were they're remarkable young women, and um, they were extremely helpful and generous with their time and spirit. And they are the ones that you know found the eleven-year-old boy. Yes, who, I want to talk about that. Go ahead, yeah, please. Who, yeah. who was on a bus and who you know became a witness to what happened and. The mission had landed in a place that, you know, nobody thought that there weren't any, you know, roads or highways. And they thought that they were very remote, but they weren't. And lots of buses and fuel trucks and other things came up at night. And so this one bus, this family took this bus every year and had a big family vacation. And we got to hear through this 11-year-old boy's sensibilities, even though he's a grown man now, it still seems as if he's doing it through the eyes of when he was 11, talking about what the experience was for him and hoping beyond hope that he would, they would all get out alive and that he would particularly get out alive so he could go to his friends at class and tell them about this extraordinary experience. Mm-hmm. It, it is amazing. Also that you had, you talked to some of the students, the Iranian students who were involved in this. How did you get in touch with some of them? I mean, you had an Iranian woman. Uh, I can't remember her name. Yes. She she, was, she's, yeah, she wasn't a student. I, she was with the Revolutionary Guard. Well, I guess she was a student at that time and she's with the Revolutionary Guard. These were all people that wanted to be filmed because we got, you know, our passes and everything to be able to do it. And we were given some people who really wanted to talk. So she was one of them. Uh, well, this is, I, I, this is just an, a, an absolutely um, wonderful, wonderful documentary, Desert One. Where can people see this film, Barbara? Well, this film has shown at many film festivals, and um, we've been able to bring, you know, the people who are hostages and on the mission together to come onto the stage. And on August 21st, this will be in 70 outlets around the United States, um, digital, digital media, unless theaters are open and the number is growing. So it could be a hundred. So you could see it from anywhere, LA, Eugene, Oregon, New York, you know, you name it. 
So yeah. it's a big release. I well, I highly recommend everyone find Desert One. It is that's it's just a, a magnificent documentary. It's heart wrenching and it's just beautifully done. And and John and uh, Barbara, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been my honor to have you both on the show. Oh, and I wish you, you much success. You're it's welcome. It's our honor to to be on your show. Thank, thank you. you thank you. Thank you. If you have missed any of uh, the Jam Price shows, that you can listen anywhere, anytime on thejampriceshow.com and on the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And please go to my Facebook page and like the Jam Price Show. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening. On Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show.